0: Welcome to Lived In, a podcast series by Hemby Home Company. Lived In is all about interior styling for the ordinary home. If you live in an ordinary house on an average street and you love design, this podcast is for you. Many of us long to infuse the places in which we dwell with both style and livability, but we also have to stick to realistic budgets. What does it look like to live in a space that transitions with you as life does? How do you build equity while creating a space that truly feels like home? And what can you do to make a space yours when it doesn't belong to you? Join me, Femi Coz, a realtor, content manager, and interior advisor, and let's find out. Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome to Season 2. I have missed doing this. It's been strange not to be checking in and chit-chatting about interiors but I was grateful for the break. I'm not going to lie to you, as much as I try to plan for this very first episode, I am somewhat winging it today. Never 100% winging it, just somewhat. Last year, my goal with the podcast was honestly just to start. And there are a lot of challenges that come with that when you're someone like me, someone who wants things to be perfect upon first pass and first go, so that they can be proud of what they're putting out there you know, in the proverbial there space. (laughs) So one of the biggest challenges was obviously getting started, but then one of the biggest achievements for me was really just doing it and making the podcast happen. And then also testing things, figuring out what formats work, what content people really resonate with, how interviews should work, that kind of thing. So this year, now that we've arrived in the future, I do have somewhat of a goal for the podcast beyond just keeping it going, but that is, that is a goal. Um, I really want to interview more people who are living in beautiful spaces that they are proud of, whether those are small spaces or big ones and whether they are here in the US or elsewhere. I also really want to do my best to add more value. I love having a thing of the week. But I also found myself on some weeks searching for it, which isn't really organic or authentic. And it made me feel like a content creator, which is not really what I want to to be. So I'm not nixing my thing of the week, but I think it's going to be a bit more of the things I'm genuinely loving or genuinely into. Whether they are on sale or in my home or in a magazine or on Instagram or just something I'm thinking about. I want to share more of what I actually love. Now, with all that said, being that I really took those two extra weeks off to enjoy being with my family, I have not interviewed a single soul in between last year and this moment in time. So we are starting off the year with me. And as much as I hate to add to the noise of, you know, new year, new me, new blah, blah. I think starting a new year with some intention or a new week with some intention or a new day can be really helpful. So, as I was planning for this episode, I wanted to focus on some of the things that are relevant to all of us and good for all of us to think about as we begin the new year. And I think just a great place to start is with what needs to go in 2024. I've seen a lot of people talking about. Ins and outs. And I like to think I'm rebellious when it comes to trends, so I don't like following the crowd. But I do think that when it comes to home, which is what we're all about, it's so important to regularly take stock, if you will, and think about what needs to go, what needs to stay, what needs to be done. I'm actually notorious for doing this when I don't know what to do with my feelings. (laughs) I just start sorting random stuff around the house that I've been meaning to tackle, but haven't gotten around to. But really, truthfully, decluttering and paring down is a great thing. We all have so much stuff that we don't need. Like, even as I'm saying this, I'm thinking about a pair of shoes I have I haven't worn in over a year and probably won't. So I should just get rid of them. Actually, a note on this, on the getting rid thing, Don't just take your stuff to Goodwill. (laughs) Controversial, I know. I'm not against Goodwill or thrift stores or anything like that. I shop at those all the time. Highly recommend doing so. However, on a personal level, over the Christmas break, I became acutely aware of how much need and lack there is in my local area. So here in Pitt County, North Carolina. And So if you can afford to just give something away to someone, then I highly recommend doing that. Where I live, there are local buy-nothing groups on Facebook where people either post about something they need or something they're giving away. And I just love the idea that I'm passing on something that I truly don't need to someone else who really does. So all of that to say, declutter. That's number one. Number two In terms of things we should be thinking about for 2024 or just as we start the new year or new week new day whatever it is i think we all do this to a certain extent but it stays in our heads and so it never actually makes it out into reality and that is to take note of what is not working so for example in our house we have a guest bedroom which is also the office and in theory it works you know, when we have guests, we can put the bed in here, no problem, there's room. However, the desk that I bought is a standing desk, and it's really deep. I don't think I'd fully understood how deep it was when I ordered it, which is really stupid. Double check measurements, think about things, tape it out. I'm all about that. But my initial plan with it was, well, when we have guests, I'll put it in the closet in the, in the bedroom and no one will be, you know, people will be none the wiser that it's in there and they'll have all the space and it will feel like a guest room. Well, what's ended up happening is because it's too deep, it stays in the room and it's such a big desk that yes, it's got useful space for people to put things on, but it's kind of an eyesore in the room. It takes up too much space for the room to feel like a guest room and then it just feels like there's a lot of different furniture shoved into a room and so that's not working and so one of the first things I'm doing this year is selling my standing desk because I want a desk that is small enough that could double as a side table for when we have guests and I want the room to feel like a guest room not an office come guest room or a guest room come office so think about what's not working You notice it every day, but if you are like me, you don't sit and spend enough time thinking about it so that you can fix it. It's a simple fix most of the time. So here's my challenge Open up your Notes app on your phone, title it not working or whatever you want to call it, and every time you hit a pain point or a pinch point, write it down. This helps you isolate the things that don't work and begin coming up with game plans for them. And I really believe that once you write it down, you just intrinsically know what you need to tackle. It somehow just moves to a different place in your brain where you're actually able to figure out some real workable solutions. Welcome to my thing of the week, guys. As I mentioned, I'm shifting gears a little bit on the thing of the week. So I'm not just showing you things you can buy all the time, as fun as that is because I don't want to encourage you to spend unnecessarily. And I want to be able to share things that I actually care about. So this week, my thing of the week is not so much a thing as it is a question. (laughs) Um, So you're probably aware that pretty much every decade has some sort of design obsession. You know, we had the We actually still have it, but the split height kitchen countertops on an awkward angle. The floral wallpaper, which is coming back, by the way. Green, blue and red carpet, just any colored carpet in the worst texture possible. Popcorn ceilings and textured walls. Side note, I will never understand the desire for a textured wall. Why? 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 Continuing, though, sunken living rooms, mirrored walls, seashell sinks, glass bricks. (laughs) Um, I will stop because the show must go on. I cannot continue on this list. But essentially, I've been wondering, what is that for our generation? And I've sat and I've pondered this and I've jotted things down. So here's my list. The first one I seriously thought about was peel and stick everything. And I'm not against peel and stick anything, but it is for sure going to be the thing that, you know, in a decade, two decades time, everyone will be like, oh, it's peel and stick in the same way that we've done that about linoleum floors and seashell sinks and all that jazz. I also thought about barn doors. So listen, please don't send hate mail. (laughs) but I do not like barn doors. The ones that slide anyway, don't like those. They're basically never actually in a barn. So is it really a barn door or is it just like a pretending barn door? I don't know, but they're never actually in a barn. And I think actually in a barn, I would like them. It's just weird for me to walk into a normal house with normal doors and then just have a random barn door. I would much prefer a pocket door, I love a good pocket door, or something with the same functionality of a barn slider, but that doesn't have the barn door feel. Does that make sense? I just think, you know, in a few years' time, everyone's going to walk into a house and there's going to be at least one random barn door in every house. Speaking of barn doors, another one on my list was just the modern farmhouse aesthetic. I feel like that is the design aesthetic of this generation. If you watch pretty much any HGTV design show and you ask the couple what they want, in terms of style, it's going to be one of two things, the mid-century modern or modern farmhouse. And people just love matte black lighting fixtures and hardware and white walls. The favorite. And random chickens, I feel like that's a staple in modern farmhouse design. It's like chicken inspired things or chicken art. Anyway, I think boho design could have been the modern farmhouse. But it's really faded out and it was was the predecessor to the modern farmhouse aesthetic. Okay, one more now that I've offended everybody. And then we'll get back to the episode. Subway tile. Need I say more? (laughs) Truly, though, I wish I could find statistics on this. And they're probably out there somewhere. But I think it's fair to say that probably one in every seven to ten houses has white subway tile somewhere in it. In the kitchen or in the bathroom. It's somewhere in one in every seven to ten houses in America. I say this with confidence. People just love it, like truly obsessed. When we did our kitchen, which I still need to take photos of, but when you live in it, it's really hard to actually see it because there's just so much stuff everywhere all the time. Really, the only time I could take pictures is right after the cleaners come. (laughs) Um, But when we were redoing our kitchen, we could have done subway tile. It's cheap. It's everywhere. People seem to love it. But again, like I said earlier, I don't like doing what everyone else is doing or liking exactly what everyone else is liking. I like liking things that I like. Because apparently I'm a snob. Um, And so we did not do that. We did a four by four, I think, tile in our kitchen. And I love it. But anyway, I'm very curious. What do you guys think our generation's obsession is, design obsession is, and will be the thing that you know two decades from now people will say oh my gosh every house has this let me know all right let's get back to the episode all right guys this one in terms of things to think about for the year this one is an easy one really easy requires your phone Or your camera, if people have separate cameras. Some people do. Take more photos of your space. One of my favorite things about the design work that I do is helping people reimagine their spaces and see them in a different light. When you live in a space, it's really easy to stop seeing it as it truly is. It gets cluttered or buried under things and you just stop seeing it as it truly is. But when you take photos, I believe that this helps you view your space more critically and more objectively so you can see it as other people see it, which is how it really is. And then you're in a better position to make improvements that are needed and give your space what it needs to be beautiful and functional. So often people don't see what's not working because they're too busy living in it, which makes sense. That's not criticism but it means that they don't see how the layout could change or what the room is missing or what needs to come out. I love getting to help with that. It helps you see your space anew. One of the fun things about doing this is I regularly take photos of my space and then I look at the picture and I immediately see what's wrong and I go and fix it, but then I never end up posting the photos. So I'm working on that as well for 2024. But yes, take more pictures of your space. Okay, the last one for this episode, the last little tip, if you will, I had to talk about real estate. It's my job. (laughs) Um, I'm going to keep it short and sweet though, ish, ish. If you've been listening for a while, you know what my short and sweet is and it's not short. I don't even know if it's sweet. It's somewhere in there. But essentially it boils down to plotting your moves. Plot your moves for real estate in 2024. If you are renting, would you like to continue? Or in an ideal world, would you buy something and build some equity? You have to at least consider it to get there. And with tax season coming up, if you're set to get money back, that's the money that could go towards a deposit or go towards closing costs. Think about that. And even if you say to yourself, well, with that money, I'm not quite ready to buy. I'm still not going to have enough, blah, blah, blah. Take that money and put it in a in a CD. Those are great. It's locked away. You can't mess with it. You get decent interest return on it. And then next year when you are ready, you've got the savings set aside and you haven't messed with them. It's a great, great way to take care of that. If you are pregnant or planning to be, or if you're downsizing, or if you have a kid going to college, or if you're going to need to move out soon. All of these are changes in circumstances that could necessitate selling a home. So even if you're not quite at the point where you're ready to sell the house, you can start getting it ready for sale. Make a list of projects that you've been putting off and then reach out to me before you do them so I can tell you if they're worth it or not. And then I can help you list your house for sale. But truthfully, plot your moves. We bought the house that we're in now last year, and one of the things that we discussed before we even moved in was, well, we want to redo the kitchen countertops. We hadn't even talked about the bathroom, and then we started living in the house, and we were like, oh, the bathroom is an issue. And a top priority for us was, let's do the things that we said we're going to do for our house, because we really want to maximize our value. We want to make sure that we get the absolute most we can back when we sell it. So we started with a list and we've been checking things off slowly-ish. <laughs> Not good at slow. I like things done now, but we've been doing them slowly-ish. So there are still some minor things I would like to do with the kitchen, maybe change the cabinet knobs. It's a whole expense because I'm picky and I like the ones I like and they're $25 a piece. that's just a lot for knobs. Anyway. Um, we've been checking things off bit by bit and I'm really happy with that progress. So if we did have to turn around and sell our house, you know, tomorrow, I don't feel like, well, we've done nothing to it. There's no equity in it. We've put money in. And even if you're not renting and you don't own your house and you're getting ready to sell, if you are literally none of those things, and maybe you're a relatively new homeowner, you know, like in the last year or so then this is actually the time to take time to evaluate the way things are set up and then set some goals for the space. Homeowners will know this, but there is always something that needs to be done. Have your AC unit cleaned, deep clean your carpet, fix holes in the wall, repaint the walls that got messed up, steward, nurture your investment. It is always worth taking care of what you have, one, so you can enjoy it, Two, because when you take care of something, it lasts longer, it does better. It's the same with car and putting oil in. It's that kind of thing. And three, because kind of like I said just a minute ago, because you really just don't know when you're going to need to move. It's not uncommon. In fact, it's quite common for people to buy or even build houses and then end up selling and relocating for one reason or another within the space of a year. So don't get caught off guard. Don't put things off. Prioritise them and check off the list. All right. I'm done with the list. These are the things I'm thinking about as the year kicks off. And I'm very curious about what your thoughts about your home are. All right, guys, that is the end of the very first episode of the year. I will be back in two weeks time. I already know what I'm talking about and I'm excited. I think it's going to challenge some of you or you're going to get mad at me. And I like those. Both of those are great. Um, And I am working on some interviews for the year, so I'm excited about those as well. But thank you so much for joining me. I hope that 2024 is off to a great start for you. And if it's not, I hope that it picks up. And we will be back in two weeks for another one. Bye, guys.